and acknowledge what God is saying to us through his word and saying yes to him I have need of forgiveness repentance Peter lists five sins of attitudes in this opening text here today that we need to guard against because these five would bring and create a wedge between the body, between each other. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and if malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy were not enough, there needed to be one more that Peter sought to present to the body of believers. And that is slander, backbiting, lies. Guard against such. None of these should have any place in those who are born again. And yet they do find themselves <laughs> woven into the very fabric of the body. Aren't you thankful that there's still a way for us to be rid of such? And so the scripture lays it out for us. What is God saying to us? Put away. He said, put away that, but as newborn babes would yearn for the pure milk from its mom, you and I should long for the pure spiritual milk. For that pure spiritual milk, the Word of God, would enable us to continue in our growth into salvation. There is growth that must continue along this journey. God is not banishing us but he's calling us to a deeper experience with him of a releasing of some things so that we can lay hold of others. After believers cast out the impurity, the impure thoughts and motives, they then need to feed on wholesome spiritual things. It's a putting off so that we can put on. And if we do one without the other, it's just going to be a matter of time when the unclean spirits are cast out. They have a tendency of returning to see whether the space is still vacant. And when we do not allow the Spirit of God to fill such voids, the enemy of our souls come back to usurp it. He said, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And here he's calling those of us who have had that experience to go deeper in God. For there is depth in him that he calls us to. And we must respond. Verses 4 through 10 gives some insight into that. It says, as you come to him... A living stone rejected by men. We are coming to Christ. That living stone 
that was rejected. Peter is reaching back to the Old Testament, which speaks of uh, the coming of Messiah. It speaks about that foundation, that rock, stone, that is indeed going to be laid. And he says that rejected stone that men turned away from is the one whom God has chosen, the one who is precious. And you yourselves as believers are like living stones. We are being built up as a spiritual house through Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. And Jesus Christ is the cornerstone upon which our faith rests and is sustained. We recall that it was Peter who declared when the question was posed with regards to who Jesus Christ was and is, and he says that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Peter, flesh and blood, has not revealed that to you. It was the Lord God, it was that truth, that rock of who Christ is, that the church is being built upon. And that it's the cornerstone upon which the church is built on. And you and I, as we come to faith in God through Christ, we are likened unto living stones that are attached to the cornerstone. And we are built up into a spiritual house. I said God is building us up into a spiritual house. Living stones God has called you to be. And when we allow ourselves uh, to be placed by God uh, into uh, his body, into his uh, structure of uh, a spiritual house, uh, not only will we experience uh, a satisfaction and a joy uh, that cannot be explained, uh, but the house of God uh, will be filled with the glory of God uh, as the people of God rightfully embrace the call of God uh, upon their lives. Our salvation has no strings attached to it. But your and my discipleship, our growth in God, and seeing the purposes of God be fulfilled, requires you and I inquiring of the Lord, Lord, what would you have me to do? Saints, life indeed is brief. And only what we do for Christ is what ultimately will last. And we ask of him, Lord, what it is that you would have me to do? As Peter reached back into the Old Testament of Isaiah, the 28th chapter and the 6th verse, it reminds us, Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a precious stone of a sure foundation. And to see the continuum of what was laid in the Old Testament, weaving its way throughout the New Testament and fulfilling the purposes of God, oh, it's glorious to behold and how much more glorious to be a part of. 
yourselves. He didn't leave us out. We are living stones. We are built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices. And we are able to do so through Jesus Christ. Isaiah, in the 8th and the 14th verse, it says, And he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap, a sneer to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Because of sin, all disobedience and all disobedient unbelievers are destined for a stumbling which will lead to an eternal condemnation. Whomsoever will, the invitation is extended for them to come. Come unto me, the word reminds us. You that are weary and heavy laden, Christ called, and he will give rest. He will give rest to the soul. Come to me. God is still doing a work. It's the work of unifying his body. As Israel was a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, so too believers today are called of God. Despite where you've been and how messed up you have been, God is calling you to repentance as he calls me, as he calls all people to repentance. We can be a holy people belonging, belonging to God. The sixth verse of Second Peter says, For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believe in him will not be put to shame. And how we need to be reminded of that, that when our trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can rest assured that despite how turbulent things are, God in his wisdom has a way of enabling us to navigate through the storms and through the waters and will not put us to shame. Our hiding place, our covering of our shame is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I hasten the ninth verse of this second chapter of First Peter. But you, you're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. A people of his own possession. That you and I may proclaim the excellence of him who called us out of darkness and placed us into his marvelous light. Brothers and sisters, despite what our experience has been presently, maybe, the truth of God's word has come to remind us the redeemed ones of who we are. 
Our identity is in Him. We are chosen of Him. We are a chosen race. We are a royal priesthood. And it's not just a few of us. It's a nation that God has assembled. People of His own possession. We belong to Him. Each of us are called to proclaim the excellencies of Him, Christ. It is He who has called you. It is He who sees the importance, the value of you. You who may have been rejected by men, overlooked by others, put down by some, don't measure up to their yardstick. You, you got on his fall. You, you didn't seek him, he sought you. You didn't go after him, nor did I. It is he who came after us. He sought us out. He called us. We were in the depth of darkness. And yet, even in darkness, he saw us. And he called us out of darkness. <laughs> oh, thank you, Father. He called me out of darkness. I'm so thankful that we're going to have a glorified body. Because this earthen flesh of ours have a tendency of wanting to drift back into the dark. But he has called us out of darkness. Hey, glory to God. Some things ought to cause us to shout. And I'm not just talking about shouting because we stump our toe. I'm talking about shouting the praises of him who is worthy of your and my hallelujah. Oh, bless God. He called us. We may not know much in the realm of the depth of theological things. But we sure do know what he has done for us. And yet we struggle. And if that was not enough, verse 10 had to bring it home. It says, once you were not a people, we can identify with that. Once you were not a people. But now, I said, but now. Okay, he said, but now. Hallelujah. But now. But now. But now. Now you are God's possession. You're God's people. Once you and I had not received mercy, my Lord, thank you, Father. But now, now we have received mercy. And then it closes out with the last two verses. He says, now behold, I urge you. Who's he speaking to? The people who are yet to come to faith? No. Those who have already come to faith and drifted as we often find ourselves doing. He said, I urge you as sojourners, I urge you as you journey along this path of life to abstain from the passion of the flesh which wages war against our souls. 
The word of God is telling us there's a war already going on. And it doesn't necessarily include that of the person that you can see and touch and argue with. It's a war of my flesh that is warring against my soul. Wow. That's where the battle ought to be won. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds because you are not hiding it on the bookshelf. You're just living it out. And in seeing it in you and I, they will glorify God on the day of visitation. And the day of visitation indeed is at hand. Amen. Praise God. Oh, bless the Lord. Christ, our Lord, is risen indeed. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. For calling us. <laughs> calling us out of darkness. Calling us into the marvelous light.